Welcome to the American Society of Regional Anesthesia and Pain Medicine, Regional Anesthesia and Pain Podcast, ASRA Wrap. Episode 2, recorded May 12, 2016. Adductor canal blocks versus femoral nerve blocks for knee surgery. Which is better? Is one better for ACL surgery versus total knee arthroplasty? And what problems do you encounter? Join our guests for a wonderful conversation about this current and important topic. Hello, welcome back to the American Society of Regional Anesthesia and Pain Medicine. This is the Regional Anesthesia and Pain Podcast. I'm one of your hosts today, Raj Gupta, and uh, my co-host is Eric Schwenk. We are, um, I'm from uh, Vanderbilt University in Nashville, and Eric is from the Sidney Kimmel Medical College at Thomas Jefferson University. And we have several guests with us today to talk about our topic of adductor canal blocks versus femoral nerve blocks for knee surgery, and that means uh, ACL surgery or total knee arthroplasties. So uh, our first guest today is Nasser Hussein. He's a third-year med student in Central Michigan University. Um, and our second guest is Steve Choi. He's the assistant professor of anesthesia at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center in Toronto. Sarah Madison is here from Stanford. And Tony Machi is uh, Assistant Professor of Anesthesiology at UT Southwestern in Dallas. So we've got a great group of people. Uh, we may have one other join us if we're lucky, but uh, to keep right to the topic, I want to go ahead and get started. I want to say hello to everybody. I'm not, we're not going to uh, go through uh, full hellos with everyone, but I want to get jump right into the topic. Eric, if you want to take the lead here and start with the questions, that would be awesome. Sure. Uh, like Raj said, my name is Eric Schwank from Jefferson, uh, Philadelphia. And I guess the, one of the first things I wanted to ask the group is, uh, given the uh, the recent evidence and kind of the, uh, the fact that there's several studies suggesting is either similar analgesia or non-inferior analgesia, depending on the study you look at, between a ductor canal block and femoral nerve block, what are your guys' uh, individual uh, opinions on what you observe clinically. Is this what you're seeing? Is Are you seeing much of a difference in your knee arthroplasty patients uh, comparing the two blocks, or do you uh, seem to be observing what the studies have been showing? Anybody's uh, free to hop on in. Uh, well, Steve Choi from Toronto here. So, you know, from my perspective, We've been doing uh, continuous femoral nerve blocks for quite a number of years, probably close to seven years right now. And um, we have a very nice setup, a block room, where we can do all of our blocks in advance, uh, and everyone's ready to go as soon, as soon as the operating room's ready. So for us to change that practice where we've got everything, and inertia is always a difficult thing to change, there's got to be some... To me, there's got to be a, a fair amount of convincing evidence that it's at least equivalent, if not better. Um, so from the perspective of equivalence, I'm, to be honest, I am not convinced about equivalence, at least from pers um, not that we've done it personally, but just from the literature. If you go back to that uh, anesthesiology paper in 2014, the major issue with, you know, saying adductor canals were equivalent to femoral nerve blocks were the was the fact that there was an epidural running at four, lumbar epidural running at four cc's in the background, 
and the margin of equivalence was defined as a, a within 50% opioid consumption. So to my mind, there were uh, errors with that. And then to just um, the differences of other studies that have not shown a difference, those were not actually powered as equivalent studies. So while I don't while I don't uh, discount that adductor canal compared to nothing will definitely compared to no blocks at all will definitely be better. It's hard to say at this point in my mind, based on the evidence that adductor canal and femoral nerve block are equivalent. And this is only speaking with respect to pain and opioid consumption. The other factor that you have to take into account is mobility, and that there is you know I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna question the fact that you have better mobility and, and better motor function with the adductor canal versus femoral nerve block. In fact, if you look at motor strength post-knee arthroplasty uh, with uh, no blocks, on average, you're probably at about 30-40% uh, quadriceps strength, whereas a femoral nerve block will take you down to about 10, 10-ish or so, and adductor canal will actually improve because you actually you actually have less pain, but you don't have any impediment to motor activity. And uh, a Pia, who is un unfortunately unable to join us today, her group has demonstrated that you know your quad, quad strength is up to 50 to 60%. So that without a question, you know, that that to me is uh, clear as the wind. And so depending on what your institutional pathway is, you know, maybe mobility is a, uh, you know, where the pathway is going that way. People are leaving hospital earlier. So, um, you know, in Canada, on average, patients stay in hospital for three days after their knee arthroplasty. And we do not have the sort of setup where, uh, where patients go to, uh, a lesser sort of rehab facility. So at least in my situation, I can't say that, you know, it will definitely help, but I don't discount the possibility. But to me, the evidence is just not there yet, unfortunately. It may get there, but right now it's not there. Nasser, uh, you, you you did this, uh, you were part of this meta-analysis where you tried to pull some of the, pull some of these smaller studies together and Steve's got a good point that not many of these studies were not powered adequately and that's something that you guys commented on um, do you know do you find enough evidence in your meta-analysis that you think that it there is a convincing argument for the adductor canal block uh, either on the aspects of pain control or um, on, in re with regards to motor strength quite frankly I would have to agree with Steve on this one because it, it just the evidence is lacking uh, like like Steve was saying, the power of these studies was very, very. It was they weren't. I wouldn't say they weren't adequately powered, but their sample sizes were low. Um, and then with only six studies being pooled, you aren't really generating a strong enough effect size to really generate a stronger conclusion. On top of that, the problem with these studies uh, was the anatomical differences uh, in the location of where the adductor canal was, block was performed. Um, as you can, if you read the paper, you can actually see, and if you read the individual papers themselves, the definition of the adductor canal actually varied slightly between studies, and that actually may have affected these results. So, like Steve was saying, uh, even though uh, like motor, motor strength, is, there's no there's no question. Uh, the nerve itself, the femoral nerve, has motor and sensory components, whereas the, the adductor, the saphenous, which is the adductor canal, only has the sensory component. So you do get preserved motor function, which is, like Steve was saying, if your institution is prioritizing that, then that's something you want to go for. But in regards to pain, we did find there was no difference. So it wasn't superior, but it, wasn't non, it was non-inferior as well. Um, 
But I would say the evidence out there right now is, is lacking. Uh, there definitely needs to be larger trials conducted with a more consistent definition of the adductor canal itself uh, being in place. You can do it clinically, um, or you can define it anatomically. Whichever way it's done, it needs to be standardized. Um, for instance, over here in Michigan, at Munson Medical Center in Traverse City, they have actually began to transition more to performing adductor canal blocks over from oral nerve blocks. Um, and they're finding over there, uh, like Steve was suggesting, and it's obvious that they're getting quicker rehabilitation over there uh, at Munson due to these adductor canal blocks. And they're, they're having a smoother transition. Um, and that could be because it's a smaller institution. It's not like Sunnybrook, which is much larger. Uh, so it's much easier to ma implement change. But over there, the success rates have been very high in using the adductor canal block. And um, I've actually spoken to a few orthopedic surgeons over there and anesthesiologists who have actually began to implement protocol where the adductor canal block should be the primary means uh, for nerve blockade. So, Tony, yeah, yeah who is, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, well, uh, Steve again. On the subject, you know, we, we actually do adductor canal block for our ACL repairs where, uh, you know, th those patients go home on the same day. So we, we prioritize ensuring that there is very little motor block. So th that is one place where we have made the change. But I think you have to, uh, you have to very carefully separate out uh, ACL versus knee arthroplasty there. You know, in terms of magnitude of pain and how much anatomical disruption there is to the tissues, there's more with the knee arthroplasty than with the ACL. So, uh, again, we've gone to pretty much uh, almost near universal adductor canal for our, for our ACLs. So I'm going to chime in here, Eric, before your next question, but just as a bridge from that, Tony, you, you uh, wrote the article in the Azra newsletter this month on the adductor canal, and I don't know if you were advocating for it or just got the choice of uh, describing it, but can you talk a little bit about what uh, Nasser was talking about, about where the adductor canal block is done and why that's relevant? Absolutely, um, and I have some experience from uh, where I trained at UC San Diego, uh, we did a study, um, which Sarah was a part of, that um, we were comparing continuous peripheral nerve block fem versus adductor canal. And in that study, uh, we did see comparable analgesia at rest, uh, comparable amounts of uh, opioids consumed, uh, but better dynamic analgesia uh, with the femoral block. Uh, that being said, that study was looking at discharge readiness and showed um, to be slightly favorable for adductor canal, primarily because of the improved mobilization. So that kind of segued into the um, article for ASRA. And um, now where I am at UT Southwestern, um, we actually typically do not put catheter, uh, typically single shot, uh, which is largely a surgeon institutional preference. Um, driven. Um, that being said, um, for the primary total knees, that seems to work pretty well in combined uh, effort with the multimodal analgesic regimen that they receive. Uh, different patients, however, we definitely advocate and try to approach uh, differently, whether it's a FEM single shot or continuous femoral nerve block. 
The only thing I would say, just uh, before we move on to the other topic, just to follow up, kind of bring some of those points together, I think it's also very important to take into consideration the multimodal regimen that's being done at each institution and um, in the setting of each of these studies. Uh, my Our experience at uh, Jefferson, and we, and we do very, very high-volume joints, actually you know, one, of the, one of the highest in the country, and I've been using multimodal regimen for probably 10 to 12 years. Um, the multimodal analgesics are, are pretty effective alone. And some of our surgeons will use a little bit of local infiltration, a little bit of bupivacaine in the knee, plus the regimen. And quite honestly, a lot of them do uh, very well. So I think the, the multimodal regimen could be uh, blurring some of the differences that may exist with analgesia comparing a ductor canal to femoral nerve blocks. And in isolation, there may be some differences. But the, I think some of the reason we're not seeing, some, seeing it in some of these studies is that the, the regimens going with it are um, making some of those differences harder to pick up. Absolutely. So, so do people? Um, I mean, is the experience from most of the crowd here that um, there's a stronger conviction that adductor canal blocks uh, for ACL surgery seems like a pattern that people can follow early in this literature uh, world that we live in right now, but that the total knee arthroplasty is still sort of up in the air as far as what is the best protocol? Is that something that I'm hearing from most of you guys, Sarah? What do you think? Um, well, I think for ACL, um, there's still a little bit more that needs to be um, figured out. Obviously, it makes sense to um, not, uh, you know, give somebody a quads weakness when they're going home um, on the same day. But um, is that really the best analgesic regimen? Um, I'm not sure. And, and, of course, we have our beautifully done study Um that shows non-inferior analgesia with um, adductor canal blocks for ACL. Um, but uh, for knee arthroplasty, um, you know, I think uh, it's really, um, I think anesthesia really needs to go toward more individualized care. Um, and for some patients, for I, I'd say probably the majority of patients, um, adductor canal blocks make a lot of sense um, for knee arthroplasty. But, um, you know, there's always going to be that subset of patients, um, the chronic pain population or uh, previous opioid users who um, are going to benefit from um, a, a femoral nerve block. And, and um, we as the, the anesthesiologists, you know, in a, in a world that tries to protocolize everything, um, need to kind of be advocates for the patients and, and figure out what's going to work best um, in each situation. So I really think there's a role for both. Sarah, that's a beautiful transition to the uh, next topic which, that I was going to try to get into, which is uh, mm -hmm. g given the fact that, uh, that there's really, there, there are no data on the knee revisions and there are really no data on opioid tolerant patients because those are always the excluded patients from these trials. So what have you? What are you guys currently doing, and is it consistent, or is it just patient to patient with those particular groups and surgeries in terms of uh, peripheral nerve blocks? Are you using femorals or? Um, I, I would say the majority of our patients get adductor canal blocks, um, but it is really patient dependent and uh, surgeon dependent as well. We have a you know variety of different practices. Um, at Stanford among our, our surgeons and, and different preferences. So, um, But I would say the majority of our patients are getting adductor canal blocks unless there's a compelling reason uh, to do something different. 
And to would... tie on to Eric's comment, you know, I I would say that I think many of the times when we're doing um, these more tolerant uh, opioid tolerant patients or a multi revision, these are not fast track patients anymore, and you know we we are often uh, not as motivated to get them up and walking or we don't we don't have as much confidence that they're going to be up and walking right away we don't have as much confidence that they're going to be discharged in two days after a big operation and so often we are more aggressive with our regional anesthetics for those patients and and what specifically i'm referring to is sciatic nerve coverage for many of these and what we can do for the posterior aspect of the knee Um, because many of these patients if we don't cover that and they have such severe pain in the posterior aspect of the knee, it doesn't matter if we picked a femoral nerve block or an adductor canal block. It doesn't matter if we want them to walk. Their pain is going to be their limiting factor at that point. I, I don't know if you guys have taken up uh, a more aggressive regional anesthetic approach for some of these patients. Uh, we, we do quite with uh, chronic opioid uh, users, you know, especially – I've always wondered about the difference, how uh, the opioid usage is always much higher in North America than it is in Europe. But uh, I find that we, we end up putting, uh, you know, we had such troubles with these patients getting them mobilized and whatnot. We, for chronic opioid use, we actually have both femoral and sciatic catheters in, uh, uh, in these patients for two days before, you know, we turn them off on day two and we pray that, okay, hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully they'll... They, you know, they won't uh, jump <laughs> skyrocket. But uh, I think Sarah brings up a very good point in that it's very individualized. So, you know, part of it has to do with how you interact with the patient. You say, okay, listen, at some point, you know, as much as, you know, as much as we'd like to keep them going forever, at some point you have to get up and do the physiotherapy. Otherwise, there's no reason to do the surgery. So they they have to have some motivation and you have to at least come up with, and every patient's going to be different. So you have to at least try to nudge things along in the proper way to get them, to get them mobilized. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I'm going to jump in here and introduce uh, Nabil El Kasabani, who's uh, just joined our call. He's uh, assistant professor of anesthesia at the hospital of the university of Pennsylvania. Uh, Nabil, how are you? I'm doing well, Raj. How are you guys doing? Thank you for Good. having me. Yeah, we, we've got uh, uh, Nasser Hussain, Steve Choi, Sarah Madison, Tony Machi, and of course me and Eric on the line. So we're just in the middle of this discussion. We were just talking about opioid tolerant patients having knee surgery and how we have to modify our plan according to that. Awesome. Yep. Okay. Do you, do you want me to jump in? Yeah, f- feel free. Yeah. So I think like, you know, in the podcast that came out in the last podcast that we did and yeah. for opioid tolerant patients that what we do here, we actually tend to favor the femoral nerve block over the adductor canal block. Uh, in our clinical experience, we think that the femoral nerve block is in terms of analgesia, it's a much better analgesic, better than the, um, the adductor canal block. So uh, it's always a balance between which... Are, are you are you favoring the analgesia or you are essentially leaning towards obtaining like you no know, better function? So if analgesia is probably is gonna take um, precedence, okay, over function, right? To some extent, I think we tend to favor the femoral nerve block, at least in our practice. If function is a primary target, okay, we tend to focus on the adductor canal block. 
And Nabil, you mentioned to me before uh, on email that y you wanted to talk about falls a little bit because that's kind of all tied together. We talk about function and rehabilitation and participating in physical therapy, but what about this fall risk issue? Yeah, so actually I'm just putting a blog in for, uh, for a study that we just published in Anesthesia and Analgesia last month. And essentially um, what we looked at because uh, is the risk of falls. Falls just as an incident, okay, it's very, very uh, low, uh, have a low incidence. So it's going to be very hard to look at falls as a primary outcome for any uh, study as a prospective trial. So what we decided to do, that we decided to look at the risk of fault. So the physical therapists have this uh, scale that they apply for patients after total knee arthroplasty, the Tinetti scale. And essentially, if you scored 19 or higher, you are not at risk of falls. And if you scored lower than 19, you are at high risk of falls. And that has to do, it has two components. It has the component of the steadiness and the gait. And they have certain elements that they judge by and they give each patient a score. So in terms of comparison, we find that that will be like you know, a much easier comparison to make, okay, and you don't need like you know, that many patients okay, to enroll in the study like this. So we did that, and actually it turns out that we did not have a, a significant difference between the femoral nerve block and the ductal canal block in terms of the risk of falls as a primary outcomes. And our conclusion from that study, that falls was not only a function of a weak quad or a strong quad. A fall is essentially a compilation of factors, okay, that you put together. Essentially, the proprioception that you lose, a, f a whole cohort of factors or a full programs that you can put together on the nursing floor with contribution from a lot of parties, nursing, physical therapists, and uh, essentially patient education becomes also like a very important element of that program. So uh, my conclusion or my take-home point from the study that we did in uh, our own institution that uh, true, okay, the quad is still stronger with the adductor canal block, which we found that, okay, and it was very significant, but the risk of falls it's, itself, okay, was actually almost like, you know, the same, okay, between the femoral nerve block and the adductor canal block. And Nabil, did you guys do a separate group that got no block? No. Okay. And just had the surgery? No, we don't do that. Like, you know, that will be almost, we cannot just do that here in this IRB is going to give a thumbs down on that one, I think. <laughs> well, let me, let me rephrase that question then. Um, we're doing a lot of our total knees with just uh, high-volume local infiltration oh. analgesia, anesthesia. Yeah. What about that category of patients? And those patients aren't getting a nerve block, quote-unquote, but they're getting this uh, large volume infiltration. Uh, you know, I'd be curious to see if those patients have the same risk of this, uh, based on the metric that you're mentioning, uh, same risk of falls as the patients who get femoral nerve blocks and adductor canal blocks, mainly stating that we're ignoring this huge fact that, that they just got their knee whacked open, and maybe that's what's help contributing to the falls more than our nerve block. I think that will be a very elegant, like, you know, a follow-up study. That, that's going to be nice. The problem with local infiltration, that you talk, for example, on this call, like, you know, we have five or six people. If you talk to all five or six, I can bet money right now that half of the people in this call are going to say, like, we get very good results, and the other half, they are going to say, we don't, we get, like, you know, not very good results. So I think the main problem with local infiltration is, is the is the technique, whether it is reproducible or not. 
because I think it is a good technique, okay, but it needs really like you know, a lot of training on the surgeons and two surgeons, two partners in the same group, probably they do their infiltration very different. And like, you know, the volume is very different. Their cocktail is very different. So you get like you know, very different results. Some patient I've seen, they come out and uh, at some point in time, like, you know, one of our surgeons were really like, you know, in favor of pushing that. And the patients came out and essentially they were, they were miserable, okay? And so it didn't take long, like, you know, before we get back to doing blocks again, okay, for that particular surgeon. So uh, I think the problem was fall with the, the local infiltration is the reproducibility of the technique itself. Yeah, absolutely. I this uh, Eric Schwank again. I just wanted a quick comment related to that. We just actually out of, out of our institution had a had a paper in the Journal of Arthroplasty uh, published this month that kind of touched on the uh, that it was basically the two groups were patients who got continuous seductor canal blocks or uh, intraarticular uh, continuous catheters, which were placed by the surgeons, and there was a there was a reduction in opioid consumption in the seductor canal group for the first twenty four hours. Outside of that, there weren't two uh, two significant of differences. So uh, there is a little, it was, uh, kind of one of the only studies looking at that thus far, but, uh, you know, there may, in the setting of a multimodal, uh, protocol, there may not be, um, as, as much difference as, as sometimes you would think. Yeah. And Eric, I have a question for you. Did you guys look at any physical therapy measurements? Um, they did. Um, no, I was, I was actually directly involved. I'm trying to see what else they, um, they looked at. I mean, patient satisfaction was basically the same across the board, and there were really, we did not look specifically at quadricep weakness. They didn't use dynamometers or anything like that, so that uh, part of it um, was not assessed. But um, there really were more or less no differences in any, any endpoint that primary or secondary other than the pain for the uh, at the first PT session post-op day one was uh, lower in the adductor canal, and then the opioids in the first 24 hours uh, was also less in that group. But then the differences kind of uh, disappeared after that. I think it's uh, important to note, in you know, kind of discussing one technique versus another, that that they don't, they're not islands. Um, they don't preclude each other, and and um, there may be, you know, some benefit of of combining these techniques. Um, it's kind of a, a multimodal regimen in itself. So I had another question. Is those of you, how many of you guys use adductor canal catheters? And if you're putting those in preoperatively, um, what does that do for where your tourniquet goes and or whether it gets into your surgical field? Has that been an issue for people? I Nobody know does catheters, have, but, but I'm curious about like you know other people. I know we have, and we can, I can comment on our experience. But does anybody else wants to take that first? Tony or uh, Steve, either of you guys? Uh, or, sure. Or yeah, this is Tony. Um, I have had it be both okay and not a problem, and then I've also had uh, different surgeons for whom uh, it was problematic. Um, for our part, we were comfortable um, placing it. Uh, at the midpoint and having it, and this is, of course, a soft uh, catheter that it would be underneath the tourniquet. Um, and so that was acceptable. And then alternatively, other surgeons uh, did not want that. Um, and so for them, we did not do that. 
I've given uh, Steve here. I've given some thought to this, thinking, okay, if we do go to a doctor canals in the future at some point, how would we change it based on our setup? Um, I would think, you know, I I I don't think there's a problem with placing the catheter uh, and then doing the tourniquet. And I would just bolus it uh, after uh, afterwards once the tourniquet is down in in our reco- uh, in once the patients get to the recovery room. So. You know, you'd, you'd look at, you'd say, you know, you think about Jim Hebel's uh, double crush theory. I'm like, okay, well, you put catheter near a nerve, you fill that space with local anesthetic, fine. You add a tourniquet and you add some ischemic time to it. That being said, it's a purely, it's mostly a sensory, uh, for all intents and purposes, just a sensory nerve. So what would be the downside as opposed to, say, you know, not that you, w- but say you take off some motor component, uh, <clears throat> you do a popliteal catheter and you and you put a tur- tourniquet a- around that after it's bolus. That's something I I would be very uh, hesitant to do. So I can't say in practice, but in theory I I would have no problem putting in the ductal canal um, um, catheter in and then having the tourniquet over it. And uh, with the caveat that we would only initiate it uh, after after the patients are in the recovery room and. You know, 99% of our patients get spinal anesthetic, so it wouldn't be an issue with delayed. Uh, de- I I wouldn't have an issue with delayed analgesia. So, that's just my two cents worth. But again, this is all theoretical on my side of things. <laughs> yeah, this is Eric. I I can tell you what we do at uh, at Jefferson, which is we place them. Uh, we place 90% of them post-op, and it, it avoids a tourniquet issue. I realize that in theory, there's a you know you're taking away because we're also doing our our surgery under spinal, and we're generally placing the inductor canal block and catheter while the patient's spinal is not worn off. So in theory, there's a risk that you're that you don't have the paresthesia uh, ability to detect you know a, a nerve injury or something like that. But I think that 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 safety aspect is is one not reliable, and two, especially with an inductor canal block, it, even in the patients that we've done them for we've never had a paresthesia in a, in a patient uh doing an adductor canal block is to hit that saphenous nerve and to really have a you know kind of that shooting pain down to your down to your knee i just uh, we haven't we haven't seen that so i don't think you're really losing a whole lot by doing it post-op and we have such a rapid uh rapid turnover high volume practice that to do them pre-op is is virtually impossible and to while doing the spinal as well our surgeons are just too fast i mean we have we have guys doing knee replacements in 50 minutes with with you know 15 to 20 minute turnover between the room there's just absolutely no way we can do that but i realize that other places are not necessarily the same situation yeah so that's actually this is very interesting because we we uh, like tony we do our catheters like pre-op and uh, before surgery we bolus our catheters pre-op um we tend to give like you know actually very small volume in terms of the initial bolus, and we tend to give most of our volume like through the catheter. Um, we sat down with our surgeons before we make that switch, and we agreed to what we agreed to call "quote unquote" the safe distance. So the safe distance is about like you know 15 centimeter from the tip of the patella. And essentially, we scan, and then after we get like you know, to an appropriate position that we think it's um, this is where we want to put our catheter. Um, what we agreed as a group, we agreed to uh, essentially, if you tilt like you know the heel of your probe like you know a little bit more cephalan, all right, 
and from the point of entry, okay, if you use the four-inch needle, all right, it's a soft catheter, and you went like you know even a little farther away from the um, from the probe, so that essentially put your point of entry really like you know at a much higher point, but you are aiming like to the same target that you are uh, looking at in the middle of the thigh, so that way the point of entry is like you know relatively high, so we avoid like you know the issue with the um, with being like you know in the field and we teach our residents to be essentially when you tape these catheters to be detail oriented so when you put when you put our surgical glue we try to any looping of the catheter we try to do that as syphilite as possible and try to give the surgeon as much territory or as much real estate as possible and essentially once they put the tourniquet it's all like you know, under the tourniquet um, as of now we have switched for about like you know a year and uh, I cannot say that we follow like you know, every single patient like you know, for a long time, but at least like you know, every time there is a, neuro a neuropathy or something similar, we hear about it from the surgeons. I have not heard anything as of yet. Of course, like you know, like tomorrow I'm going to have my first neuropathy with the. <laughs> of course. Well, this won't be published for a couple of days, so then you've got a few days to brief. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Thanks, but uh, that's really interesting, uh, Neville. Uh, just real quick, because I know we we only have a little bit more time left. Uh, this is Eric again. I, I just wanted to have a, a real quick informal poll of everybody here. If, if your opinion, yes or no, um, femoral the, the adductor canal block from your clinical experience uh, gives you equivalent analgesia to uh, a femoral block. So I'll start. This is Raj. Um, I, I I would change your question not to equivalent but adequate. And I would say for ACLs, most of the time, for total knees, no. I would agree. That would be my sentiment. Well, not that I have the experience with the knees, but with the, AC, uh, with the ACLs, yeah, it's roughly, I would think it's roughly equivalent in my experience. Can I add to the question and say, like, you know, in which patients? Sure. Well, well, we're talking so about non non chronic pain, non opioid tolerant patients. Those are the outliers. Primary arthroplasty, non tolerant. Yeah. We'll say. Even though I don't have. Oh, sorry. Um, I was just going to say, even though I don't have much experience or any experience doing these myself, uh, in the ones that I've seen, I would say I would agree with Raj on this one that maybe they're the same. So yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a strong. That's a strong. Uh, you know. Uh, Speaking up for Adric Canal Blocks right here. So I think everybody's – Sarah, you and Tony haven't chimed in yet. Um, I, I would say I, I see a little bit better, more, more comfort with the uh, femoral blocks. Across the board? Um, I don't know, across the board. Um, for, for the patient population that we're talking about um, – I think an adductor canal block is, is adequate, like Raj said, but um, ephemeral block may be better. And, and Tony? Sure. Uh, for ACL, I'd say about equivalent when we're talking about analgesia. For uh, you know, total knees, I would say for specifically analgesia that uh, not equivalent, that the analgesia is somewhat better with femoral. Um, but that being said, that's partially not just the concern, I guess. Of course, and, and, and what I would say is I have no experience with uh, ACLs, but for uh, arthroplasty, I think the coverage is definitely better with femorals from, from what we've observed. 
So I, I the reason we brought this topic up is, as you guys saw in the articles I sent you, there's been about four or five articles just in quick review, and not to mention uh, the wonderful articles in our newsletter um, on the topic of adductor canal blocks and femoral nerve blocks for knee surgery. So I think there's definitely a lot of interest in this topic. Um, based on what I'm hearing from everybody in the group, the, the jury's still out on the exact right way of handling these surgeries, but... I hope that uh, the people listening out there got some insight from our wonderful guests uh, here on the show today. Uh, just as a teaser for future episodes, there was a comment about uh, opioid-tolerant patients in this group. I think we are going to do a topic about the uh, opioid issue and how we have a lot of patients in North America that are opioid-tolerant and that doesn't exist in other places. So hopefully we'll be able to get some guests from different countries that can bring us some perspective on that. So keep listening for that topic in the near future. Um, just to wrap up, thank you again to all of the guests from today, uh, Steve, Tony, Sarah, Nasser, Nabil, and Eric and I hope that you will join us again for the next podcast. We're going to keep trying to do this every month. So keep on the lookout for us, and please share and tell your friends about uh, the show. And thank you again, and we'll talk to you guys next time.